Okay, Rabbi Say, Guten Erev Shabbos, a happy Pesach Sheni, and um, a happy Parshas Emmer. The nice thing about Parshas Emmer is that it always comes out during Sphira, and it speaks about the Sphira. So it's very convenient. You could speak about the Parsha, and also about the Sphira, and everybody seems to be happy. And this year, I want to discuss something to do with the Sphira, but really in a twist, not really in a direct way, but just through a story. And I think we're going to take out a tremendous lesson from it. So, once upon a time, there was a meeting that happened to take place almost accidentally between... Reb Chaim Eizer Grudzenski, who was the great, uh, the great tzaddik, the great Gain, the leader of Kal Yisrael, and a Yid by the name of the Ostrovts Rebbe. His name was Reb Meir Yechiel of Ostrovts, and he was a great Hasidish Rebbe. He was a brilliant, brilliant man, and they met together, as I said, by chance. I will show you a picture of him on the screen, if you could see that. That was what the Ustrip Sarebbe looked like. I always wanted to do that. Never was able to do that, but now we're doing it, okay? So he met with Reb Chaim Eizer. And Reb Chaim Eizer heard that the Ustrip Sarebbe was a brilliant, brilliant Talmud Chacham. And I got more tricks up my sleeve, by the way. Here's Reb Chaim Eizer. So he heard that he was a brilliant Talmud Chacham. And he said, tell me a shtickle Torah. I want to hear some Torah from you. So the Ostrovser declined at first. He wasn't interested in, being, in, in sharing his brilliance. But Reb Chaim Eizer continued to press him. And the Ostrovser told him a vart. And Reb Chaim Eizer was really, really impressed by the vart that the Ostrovser said. And he says, now I understand how great you are. And now I know that you're a Gavra Rabba. I know that you're a great, great man. Gavra Rabba is a terminology used often in the Gemara, and it, uh, it implies somebody that's very, very great in Tyra, and great in, in, in life, a great person. The Ostritzer replied to Reb Chaim Eizer that I'm not able to be described as a Gavar Rabba yet. He says, what do you mean? He says, I don't deserve that title of Gavar Rabba. So Reb Chaim Eizer was a little confused, and he says, well, if you don't deserve the title of Gavar Rabba, then who does deserve that title? So he said, let me explain. There's a Gemara at the end of Makis, and Avchav Beis, where the Gemara says, Hani... Tipshoi. There are these very foolish people. Kama Tipshoi Inshi. These foolish people, the Kaime Mekame Sefer Taira, Kaime Mekame Gavarabo. They stand in the presence of a Sefer Taira. When a Sefer Taira comes into the room, what does everybody do instinctively? Everybody jumps out of their seat. If the Aranakhaidish is open, everybody immediately stands at attention. 
but But they do not stand up in the presence of a Gavarabo. They do not stand up when a, a great man comes into the room, they sit. Happens all the time. Every single person, they see a Sevater walking into the room, they don't even flinch. They jump up out of their seat as a sign of respect, and that's a good thing. But then a Tamachacham, a Lebedika Sevater, a living Sevater walks into the room, and nope, they just sit down, they pretend not to see him. And the Gemara says that that's a very foolish thing that people do, because if you stand up for a Sevater, you should certainly stand up for somebody that embodies the Tyra. And the Gemara goes a step further and it proves why it's so important to stand up for a Gavarabba even more than a Sefer Tyra. He says, because, the, the Gemara says, because the Tyra says, the Sefer Tyra has a Pasuk in it. And the Pasuk describes the, the Chiv of Malchus that a person gets under certain circumstances, when a person is in violation of a lav, let's say, he has to get malchus. What's the maximum number of malchus that he deserves for every lav? So if you look in the Torah and you, you take it, kipshuta shal mikra, arba'em yakenu. He deserves 40 lashes. Chazal come along, and they say, no, 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 no. Don't do 40 lashes but do 39 lashes. Darshan said it says that the 40 is not literal, it has to be broken up into groups of threes, and it's really 39. The, the Torah just rounded off by one, but it, it really, you don't give 40 malchus, you give 39 malchus. As I state in Gemara. So, therefore, says the Gemara, you see the power of a Gavarabba, you see how great a Tamil Chacham is. The Torah says 40 Malchus, so if a person is Chayyim Malchus, he'd have to get from the Pshuta Shalmikra of the Torah 40. Comes along the Gavarabba, comes along this Talmud Chacham, and he says, no, 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 spare the pain of that last Makkah. Only give this Yid 39 Malchus. And so the Gemara therefore logically concludes that if you stand up for a Sefer Torah, Allah has kama v'kama, you have to stand up for a Tamil Chacham. Because a Tamil Chacham, a Gavarabba, shaved off one of the Malkas from, from the 40. So the Ostrutzer says to Reb Chaim Eizer, oh, that's not the Ostrutzer, the Ostrutzer says to Reb Chaim Eizer that, um, he says to Reb Chaim Eizer, what do you see from this Gemara? What do you see from this Gemara? You see that a person has to um, understand that a Gavarabba is somebody who spares a Yid Tsar. I'll give you an example, says the Ostritzer. He says that, the, uh, he says that uh, there's another time that the Torah does this. There's another time that the Torah says a number, and Chazal come and say it's a different number, and there we're not referring to these Tamid as a Gavarabba. When is that? In this week's parsha by Svirus Haimer. By Svirus Haimer, what does it say? It says that you have to count how many days. How many days does the Torah tell us to count the Haimer? Tisperu Chamishim Yaim, 50 days. Do we count 50 days? I, I, on my calendar, it doesn't say 
Hayemem Chamishim Yamim Laimer. It just doesn't say it. It stops at 49. What happened? What happened was that Chazal came and said, no, no, it doesn't mean 50 days. It means 49 days. And the 50th day is already Shavuos. So, yet the Gemara there doesn't describe the people that, the Chachamim that instituted that it was only 49 days instead of 50 days, doing really a very similar thing that they did by, by Malchus, no mention that they're Gavarabo. Zok the Ostrip, so you know why? Because to say a good vart, to say a vart, to say chamishim yaim is not literal, but it really means 49, that's a nice vart, but you're not described as a Gavarabo for that. The way that the Chazal, the way that the Gemara chooses its words very carefully, its descriptions, its titles, and only gives the title of Gavarabah to very specific instances where you're able to alleviate Tsar from another Yid. If you take away Tsar from another Yid, you're able to say, instead of 40 Malchus, you only get 39 Malchus. If you're able to do that, that is a Gavarabah. That's when a person is really um, deservant of this vaunted great title of Gavarabo. So the Ostrifzer says to Rebchaim Eiser, he says, I'm not Zoycha yet to have that title that you just gave me of Gavarabo. When someday I'm able to really alleviate Saras from Yidden, then maybe you can come back and call me that. But right now, I'm still, you might, I might, you might have enjoyed the Torah that I said, but saying good Torah doesn't, in and of itself, earn you that great description of being a Gavarabu. And Reb Chaim was very impressed by this vart of the Ostrisser. Just as a Haisafa, as a Haisafa to this vart of, uh, between the Ostrisser to, to Reb Chaim there's a very similar story that's told with Reb Chaim also, and a different, from a different angle, but the same Yisaid, that once upon a time, Reb Chaim Eizer, after he had just published the first volume of his classic responsa called Achiezer, he meets, he meets the, great, um, the great guy in Reb Chaim Meisels. Reb Chaim Meisels was the Rav of Lodz. He was the Rav of Lodz in Poland. Lodz was one of the major cities in Poland. I think it was the second largest city after Warsaw. And he was a tremendous Tamad Chacham, but he was also a tremendous Baal Chesed. He was like the quintessential Rav. When he was Nifter, Chaim Brisker said that the last real rabbi just died. He was a real Rav in the sense that he really cared about his mispalalim, he cared about his tzibar, he made sure that the people, uh, when there was an industrial revolution, a lot of people lost their jobs, he opened up a factory and hired everybody to, he retooled the entire community, and he was very beloved, he collected a lot of tzedakah from, from, uh, from the Gevirim in town, there were a lot of very wealthy Jews in, in the city of Lodz, and he went to them, very famous stories about Rebel Yechayim Meisel's. So, after the publication of the Achiezer, of Chaim Eizer, he visited Rabbi Yechayim, or they met somewhere, and he gave him a copy. He gave him a copy of, very good, he gave him a copy of his Sefer Achiezer. 
And then he was leafing through it, and obviously Reb Chaim Eiser is brilliant, and uh, uh, you know he was obviously very uh, nana from it. He was enjoying the new sefer tremendously. And then Reb Chaim Eiser made like a comment to Rebbe Yechayim, and he said, "Nope, the Eilam Atayra is waiting for Rabbi Meisel to put out a sefer already. When is when is the Rav sefer coming out?" So Rebbe Yechayim said to him, "He says, I already put out Svarim." I have Svarim already. So Reb Chaim Eiser was a Bucky in all the Sifrei Hataira. He knew everything. He said, I wasn't aware of the fact that the Rub published the Sefer. He says, yeah, yeah, sure. He says, you want me to show it to you? He says, of course. Yeah, I'd love to see it, of course. So he goes to his desk drawer. He opens up his drawer and he takes out a few Svarim, a few books, but they weren't classic Svarim, they were ledgers of all of the tzedakah activities that he had done in the city of Lodz and beyond. And he had rows and rows and, and you know, like these, these thick, thick ledgers, thick notebooks, and every, every page had how many, how much money was raised from this year and, and who it went to and how much he owes back and the gemachs that he was running and all of the, the different tzedakah and chesed activities was all very clearly um, delineated in this book. It was, all, it was all there, one page after another, one book after another. He says, Reb Chaim Eiser, these are my svarim. I don't have time. I'm so busy as a Robin Lodge trying to keep everybody safe and healthy and, and with Parnassa and from and, and trying to mitigate Chil Shabbos in town and giving Piskei Halacha to everybody and, and comforting the, the Simon Almanis and visiting the Chaylam. I don't have time to actually sit down and publish a Sefer like But these are my Svarim. My Svarim are all of the tzedakah v'chesed activities that I did in my city of Lodz. Meaning, he was saying that it's on a certain level almost more important to do chesed, to alleviate pain and suffering from other yidin, more even sometimes than being mechadesh chidushe taira. Of course, the world stands on taira. This is not to put down taira, but it's in order to elevate our perspective on people that alleviate tsar and yagain from other people. And Reb Chaim on his deathbed, and already by then another volume of Achiezer was published, Reb Chaim Eiser said that I always remember this vart that Reb Elia Chaim Eisel told me, and he says, and at the end of my life, I am maskim a thousand percent that he was right, that you could publish all the brilliant achiezers that you want, but ultimately, it's the svarim of being mefarnes and being taimich, yisayimim, almanes, aniyim, evyayimim, that is really the main legacy that a person leaves over. More than any fancy svarim that you could publish, the greatest legacy is how much tsar, how much yagin, how much pain have you successfully alleviated and eliminated from the hearts of people that are down and out. Now, from these stories, it sounds like Reb Chaim Meiser, you know, was was Kulay Taira, and he was, but that he didn't do anything for Klal Yisrael, and that's obviously the furthest thing from the truth. Reb Chaim Meiser, 
was the leader of Klai Yisrael, he was the manig of Klai Yisrael, and he, there's, there are whole biographies just written about the great leadership that he had, and especially right before he died, between the two world wars, when he was really leading Klai Yisrael, almost single-handedly, together with the Chavetz Chaim, but when the Chavetz Chaim was Nifter, he was the man, he was it. And when the entire Europe was in storms, being rocked, and all the yeshivas were threatened, and they were being evicted from their towns, and they had no safety, he invited them all to come to his town of Vilna, the Irve in Bisrael, and many, many yeshivas did relocate to Vilna, and he set them up there. Imagine inviting you know, I don't know how many, dozens of yeshivas to your hometown, not for a Shabbos, but for good, even for a Shabbos, try to put up a thousand yeshiva bachrim in, in beds all over your neighborhood, you know, by an offer of this is difficult, right? Imagine doing this for thousands of bachrim, setting up batei medrash with svarim, with shasin, with paiskim, with, with rishonim and achreinim, paying all the rabbeim, salaries that they can support their families, putting up the Rabbeim, Rosh Hashivas, finding places for them to eat, food for them to eat, beds, blankets, all of this fell on the shoulders of Reb Chaim Eiser. He single-handedly took upon himself to lead Klai Yisrael and to alleviate such anxieties and pains from the Rosh Hashivas and from the Talmidim. So Reb Chaim Eiser clearly understood this lesson. Reb Chaim Eiser was the ultimate Gavarabo. But what you see from these stories is that our perspective on who's really a Gadol has to be maybe reframed. A Gadol, of course, is somebody that is a Talmud Chacham Muvuk and is a Balavayda and is close to Rabbeinu Shleilam, and is from, and has Yerushamayim, and has Anivos, and has Midas Taivas, of course. But the real Mivchan, the real litmus test, if somebody's a real Gadol, is how much is he able to mitigate the Tsar of Klal Yisrael? How much is he able to alleviate pain and suffering from Yidin that are desperately in need of, of alleviation of tsar. All the underdogs of society, all the, the poor people that people don't, that the wealthy people sometimes overlook and, and aren't interested in or, or don't have the, the, the interest in really focusing on them because they're focused on their own problems. A gadol is somebody that encompasses greatness within by being able to take care of the tsaris of the of every single Yid. The Chazanish once said that a Gadol is like a circle. And just like a circle is measured by how big its circumference is, the bigger the circumference, the more it's able to contain within the circle. That's how you measure a circle. The way you measure a Gadol is the exact same way. How big a gadol is, you know, how, how you know, how do you know who's a bigger gadol? Sometimes in yeshivas they play these games about trying to compare two gedalim and seeing who was greater. Was it Rav Shlomo Zalman or was it Rav Yashiv? Was it Rav Shach or was it, uh, 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 you know, Rav David Pravarsky? You know, you're comparing and contrasting to you. We have no measuring tools to know that. But one thing the Chazanish does say is that you can measure how great a gadol is by how large a circle he is. How many people is he taking into his inner circle? 
How many people is he caring about? How many people is he inviting to his table? How many people is he, is he worried and, uh, about their needs? Is he listening to their complaints? Is he opening his heart and opening his home and opening up his, his wallet in order to make sure that people are taken care of? If you do that, then you're a Gavarabha. If a person is able to really care about other people sincerely, then you're a Gavarabha. And if you just sit in your own home and say that, uh, you know, Shalom Alei Nafshi, everything is good for me. Baruch Hashem, my life is good. I have my own house. I have a refrigerator full of food. I have, uh, have my kids. I have my clothing. I have my cars in the driveway. Everything is good. Baruch Hashem, Shalom Alei Nafshi. I, but there's a whole, there's many people out there that don't have that. Do you care about them? If you care about them, then you're a Gavarabha. And if you don't care about them, then you're not. There's a Gemara in Baba Basra that just, I just remembered, Gemara in Baba Basra that speaks about, about uh, Elimelech from the story of Rus, from Megillus Rus. Elimelech, who was the, uh, you know, he started off the, the Megillah, the Chazal call him, he was a Gadol Adar. And look what happened. He ended up dying in, in, in the Stei Mayav, and, uh, you know, his, his almana and his daughter-in-law went back to Eretz Yisrael, and, and the rest is history. But he was really, you know, he, he went from being the Gadladar, he was one of the greatest leaders of Klai and he had a very uh, bad ending there. He just died in the fields of Mayav, and that was the end of him. He wasn't the hero of the story. There was Bayaz, and there was Rus, and there was Naomi. But Elimelech, we don't, history doesn't look, look, look uh, kindly upon Elimelech. What did he do that was so bad? How did he go from being described in, in the Gemara as being from the G'dayle Adar to, being, uh, to just dying in the fields of Mayav? And Chazal explained, Chazal say that he was a very wealthy man and he lived in his home in his palatial estate somewhere in Eretz Yisrael. And when the Rav came to Eretz Yisrael, he locked his doors, he hid, his, he hid himself in the comfort of his own home, and he refused to answer the door. When people knocked, he didn't say, let me open the door and give whatever I can afford. He would basically pretend not to be home. And that basically, and then he ran away on top of it. He couldn't even take it, and he didn't want to hear the knocks. So that's when he picked up and he moved out of Eretz Yisrael where there was to, to Mayav where there wasn't that rav and, and he was able to live with, a, with peace, of, peace of mind without having to have this guilty conscience of, uh, you know, of not answering the door. So a gadol is not merely somebody that knows a lot of Tyro or is a very hush of a person or a prominent individual in society. What m- makes somebody a gavar rabba is the ability to answer the door, to hear the cries of people, and not to muffle out their, their sobs and their, and their tears, but to listen. and to, Sometimes we can't even help them with what they need. We don't have the money, or we don't have the time, or we don't have the ability, but we do have the ears and the heart to listen to them. So many times they don't even want your money. They just want somebody to be nice to them. They want somebody that will listen to them, that will hear out their tsaris. And when we can give them that patience and that time, you're Gavarabu. And if you can't, then you're the opposite. I thought maybe that just a little bit of a, of a raya to this from a Pasuk. Um, the Pasuk says, Vayigdal Meshe, 
Vayetze el Echa Vayarbis of Loisa. Moshe Rabbeinu was being brought up in the house of in the house of Paray. Ironically, I was just learning with uh, with one of my daughters last night. We were learning uh, Sefer Shemais because she's going to be learning that uh, next year when she starts high school. So uh, we got a little bit of a start in it, and we were learning about uh, the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was saved by Basia Bas Paray. And of all places, they were all they were looking for, you know, to kill this this future leader of Klal Yisrael. They knew that he was born, and they were trying to drown him. But uh, lo and behold, he was actually being brought up in the very house of Parai, right under their nose. And and obviously, that was all part of Hashkachas Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu was being brought up as an Egyptian prince. If you understand what that means, that means that he was literally in the greatest place that he could possibly be in terms of Gashmias. He had a beautiful palace. I'm sure it was marble, and it was cool in the summer, and it was warm in the winter, and it, was, and, and it had beautiful decorations. And I'm sure he drank out of golden goblets and the finest of foods. He didn't need to rock the boat, but he went out. Vayigdal Meisha, he became older, and he went out to the fields and he saw his brother and he knew that he was a Yid. And he saw his brethren out in the fields and they were, they were chopping wood and they were, they were making bricks and they were building pyramids. And he saw their Tsaris. And Rashi says, He gave over, he dedicated, he devoted his heart and his eyes Eina Valiba, his eyes and his heart, Leis Metzalayim, to have to to have sympathy for them, to feel their pain, Leis Metzalayim. He had a heart and he had eyes. You have to be able to sometimes open your eyes, not to avoid seeing the problems out there. You have to sometimes look for the problems, because if you just put that blindfold on your eyes and pretend that everything is great, because in your own world it's great, that's not what it takes to be a gadol. And he opened his heart as well, and he became the leader of Klal Yisrael. But I was just thinking that this is perhaps the first time that you see somebody really uh, having this empathy for another Yid. And the Pasuk starts by Yigdal Meisha, he became great. Which is really, I guess, the Hebrew version of Gavarabba. He became a great man, you know what the term, not because he brought down the Luchas, not because he took Klal Yisrael out of Egypt, not because he led us through the Midbar Abraham Shana, not because he split the sea. What makes Moshe Rabbeinu the Gadol, the Gavarabba, the quintessential great man, is because he saw the Tsaris of another Yid. He alleviated that 40th Makkah from Klal Yisrael. He made 39 Makkahs instead of 40 Makkahs. And because of that, he will forever be the Gavarabba of Klal Yisrael. He was the Vayigdal Meisha. He grew up to be great. He was like that Gadol that the Chazanish describes, a circle that was able to contain in his heart and in his eyes the entire Knesset Yisrael. That was what really made Meisha Rabbeinu the great man that he was. All the historical things in his biography that we know about almost pale in comparison to the fact that Meisha Rabbeinu cared about another Yid worried about another yid. That's really the, the ultimate way of determining if a person is a Gavarabba.
What I wanted to speak about today is a... Um, I wanted to give a tribute to sometimes very unsung heroes of Klal Yisrael that I feel really are deservant of this title of Gavarabba. And you wouldn't necessarily always associate them with being a Gavarabba because they don't dress the way a Gavarabba always dresses. And they don't, you know, they're not found necessarily always in places that you would associate a Gavarabba to be found. But really, they are the ultimate Gavarabbas in Klal Yisrael. And I'm referring to Hatzalah. And, and, and lately, Baruch Hashem, they have gotten a lot of covered, and they deserve every ounce of it, and then a lot more. Uh, yesterday in Queens, they had a whole procession down Main Street with uh, flashing lights, and people were parked. I didn't go because, whatever, I was busy with something else, but... Um, but they deserve the cover. They made sort of like a like a parade for them almost, but a you know a Corona parade under these circumstances. They people parked their cars along one side of Main Street, and then you know they drove by, and people were cheering, and people were clapping, and signs, and because they really are are in a sense the ultimate Kavarabo. And I speak about them all the time, but I'd like to just focus on them. Uh, Bifrat during this terrible Kufa and Klal Yisrael because it really, they are unsung heroes and they need sometimes to be recognized, if not publicly, but between us, B'nai Taira. Hatzalah are people that, and I'm, I'm focused on Hatzalah, I guess it could also be applying to anyone in the healthcare industry today. I mean, anyone, any doctors, any nurses, any uh, PAs, any, uh, any people that literally are exposing themselves on a daily basis to, to, uh, to this virus that's deadly, and we see that it's deadly, and I'm sure it's no great symbol, but I want to really focus on Hatzalah because Hatzalah is purely voluntary. And not to say that People that get paid for jobs don't deserve covet also. They do. And if you want to take this for them also, it's for them also, the shmuz, this tribute. But specifically Hatzalah, because Hatzalah is something that you only appreciate, really, when you need it. Le'olenu. Hatzalah is something, okay, you see guys in the back of the base matters where they're walkie-talkies and they're running out and they're this and they're, you know, they have the flat, the fancy cars with all the cherries, the, the, the lights on it, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's cool stuff and it's nice and it's like, but when you need Hatzalah, when a person, Achman al-Litzlan, has a relative or himself and they're in a, in a terrible, terrible matzav, they're having a heart attack or they're in a car accident or hit by a car or... Uh, Anything of the sort, whether it's on Shabbos, whether it's on Yom Tif, whether it's on Yom Kippur, whether it's Sukkis, whether it's on Tainus Esther or on uh, Tishabav, there is always Hatzalah that we sort of take for granted, but they're there. Hatzalah was founded decades ago by a Yid by the name of Reb Herschel Weber. Reb Herschel Weber was a, uh, a uh, he is, he's still alive, I think, and he's a Hasidic Shayid. Now this is what he looks recently like, but 
He's a, uh, he started it because he, he was in Williamsburg, and, he, uh, and somebody had a heart attack on the street, right where he was. And he was watching, he was watching this uh, happen, and somebody called 911 or Fidney or whatever it was at the time, and, uh, and it was five minutes that went by, and it was 10 minutes that went by, it was 15 minutes, and finally the ambulance comes. By then, this guy that had a heart attack was long dead. Long dead already, and everyone was just standing around. They didn't know what to do, so he said, "This can't be. We can't rely on other people when it's pikuach nefesh mamish to to save Yidden." He was nasan ena v'li by Lias Meitzer aleinu. He went to the Satmar Rebbe, and the Satmar Rebbe said, "It's a great idea. I'm going to give you my askama, and I'll even give you a name for it." Because at the time it was still a nameless concept. He says, you call it Hatzalah. That was from Rabbi Yael Teitelbaum. The Satmar Rebbe said, name this organization. He had Kriyas Shem on this organization. He says, the name of the organization is Hatzalah. And he brings a raya. I didn't bring it with me, but um, there's a Rabbi Yaina writes in Shari Tshuva. I think it's in Shar Gimel. That he says, every community. This is a, the Rabbi Yaina didn't live in 19, 1985. He lived, in, he lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He was one of the Rishinim. He lived uh, maybe 800, 800, 900 years ago. And he said that every community, every city, should have people that volunteer to be there to serve the needs of Kalal Yisrael, the, the health needs of Kalal Yisrael, the financial needs of Kalal Yisrael. And the Lashon that Rabbi Yaina uses is, he uses the Lashon of Hatzalah there. And so Rabbi so the, the Satmar Rebbe knew everything about Pei, he knew everything inside out, Shas, Paiskim, everything. And he, he right away, he had total recall of the exact Lushen of Rabbi Yain, and he says, you're going to name the organization Hatzal, and it's going to be a tremendous tale for Klai Yisrael. So this, this Herschel Weber um, went, and he, he started Hatzal. How did he start Hatzal? He, first of all, he himself went and got basic medical training for himself. And then he... He taught others, other Hasidim or other Yidin, how to, how to um, also give basic medical training. And then he bought, uh, you know, it was, I, I've seen pictures of like original ambulances. They didn't look like the ambulances that they have today. It was like sort of these station wagons, if you know what that is. Like in the olden days, before the minivan, families, large families had what was called a station wagon, if anyone... Uh, ever saw such a thing, and they basically souped it up, and they made it with, with some Hatzalah writing on it, and that was like the first ambulance that Hatzalah had, they got walkie-talkies, and with time, it evolved into the super modern, technologically, you know, cutting-edge organization with the finest equipment, the finest ambulances, the finest training, and not only in New York, but it branched out to Eretz Yisrael, and it branched out to Every major community and some minor communities around the world have Hatzalah. Might be one, one ambulance instead of 30 ambulances or 50 ambulances, but they have a, a presence in every major Jewish community. And the times are amazing. They, they cut down the time of responding from, instead of the 20, 15, 20 minutes that was standard, they were able, I know Hatzalah, the United Hatzalah in Eretz Israel have an average, they, every call is less than three minutes, which is incredible, and, and in certain areas, in the, in the high traffic areas, under 90 seconds response time. 
on their 90 seconds. And, you know, every second counts when you need it. You know, 90 seconds, 3 minutes, 10 minutes, doesn't sound like a big deal to us today, but if a, per, if a relative of Loyalena is having a heart attack or a stroke, you want to make sure, or an allergic reaction needs an EpiPen, you better believe that every second counts. And there's a very big difference between 90 seconds and 95 seconds. That might be the difference between a person staying paralyzed for life or not, a difference between a person dying or not, a person between a difference between not having oxygen, not being able to be health, mentally um, normal the rest of his life or not. You better believe every second counts. And so this is what Hatsala is. And Hatsala, the volunteers that join Hatsala, it's not like they have nothing else to do. They have many of them are very busy people, successful businessmen successful store owners or managers or, or stockbrokers or lawyers or whatever they are, and they volunteer. And when you volunteer for Atsala, it's not like you get to choose what time you want to go or, or you don't want to go or you can ignore. You're supposed to really go many, many times, you know, and if you have a call, there's like really no excuse if it's near you. You have to take the call. I mean, unless you're mamish, mamish, I guess, you know, you're busy with some other very, very vital thing. You have to take the call. Now, that call doesn't always come on a Sunday afternoon when you have nothing better to do. It happens when you're in the middle of a business deal. It happens when you're about to close on a customer in your store that was about to order, you know, a ton of uh, merchandise from you. And now you have to say, I'm sorry, I got to go. And they might not be there when you get back four hours later. It might be a Friday night or a, or a Seder night when the family's sitting nicely around the table and they want their tati to be there to, to give a, you know, for them to say their parsha sheets to, or for the father to give a Seder, or on uh, whatever. When is a good time for a father to run away from a, from a meal? But yet, for total strangers, they're able to leave their comfort zone and, and run out on Shabbos, on Yantif, on Sukkot, on Pesach, on, on Lag Ba'im, or whenever it is, for who? To save a total stranger's life. Total stranger. And this is what Hatzalah is. This is, this is, they are all Gavra Rabbas. These are, they are the ultimate Gavra Rabbas. They are giving their lives over to spare another Yid, that 40th Makkah. The 40th, 40th Malchus that a person might have had from the Tyrus perspective, they're coming and saying, no, we're not going to allow that. We're not going to permit that 40th Malchus to hit Klal Yisrael. And that ability to, to be the champions of Klal Yisrael, to save us, you and me, from pain, from anguish, from suffering, personally, family, community, that's an amazing thing. And that's true every year since, the, since their inception. But during this period of corona, during this terrible magefa that Klai Yisrael is going through, and we see how easy it is to pick it up. You're, everyone has to wear masks every time you go out of the house. To go to a grocery store, you've got to wear a mask. To, go into, to walk in the street, you're supposed to wear a mask and gloves and not talk to anybody and stay distantly from everybody. Now imagine going into the lion's den of somebody who's sick, probably with corona, and you're going into their house, and, you know, and your mom is breathing in the air that this person is breathing. You don't know this person. Would you, you know, if, if your own 
relevant, you know, you're, you're, you can't go to your parents' house because if they're elderly, you might come to, or grandparents, because you might come to, to catch something from them. So, if you can't do that, so I could go into some strangers, I can go into somebody else's grandparents? How does that make sense? The tarot says that this is what Hatzalah does. They're, they're people that are selfless, they're dedicated, they're devoted to this cause, and they will do everything and anything in order to make sure that another Yid doesn't, uh, that another Yid does not have to suffer that 40th Makkah. There's a story that's told that a Yid fainted in a shul on Yom Kippur. And it was in Brooklyn, so there was tons of hot solo guys, so that, that itself might be a sakana, you know, you have to, all these guys fighting to get to this guy first, Nebuch. And um, anyway, when they finally, you know, they put some water on his face, he chalished and surely fainted. When he came to, in the end, he said, um, he looked, he opened his eyes, and he sees a lot of, like, Hatzalah guys, and they were all wearing uh, their kittles and their talisim, and they were all dressed in white. And he said in Yiddish, he says, Bin Am I already upstairs? He thought he had died, gone to heaven, and this is, the, you know, and these angels were surrounding him. And those weren't angels, obviously, those were just Hatzalah guys, but my I suffer to the story is that the, the truth is that he, that he was surrounded by angels. That Hatzalah is really, they really are angelic people that uh, do so much for us. And we don't realize it until Rahman al-Islam we need it. Anyone that's ever needed to call Hatzalah understands exactly what I'm saying. Sometimes it's very, very... Pikuach Nefesh Dik, sometimes it's not. I have a, I remember I was, I think it was last Sukkot, and my daughter was uh, cutting an avocado. One of my daughters was cutting an avocado with, with a sharp knife. And her hands slipped a little bit, and she got a very, very deep gash in her finger. Baruch Hashem, uh, you know, she's okay. But we were all flipping out. You know, she, she was gushing blood. I'm very squeamish. Um, I, didn't, I couldn't look at it. And, you know, every, you know, and, and so we called out Salah. Literally within two minutes, there was three hot solo guys in my kitchen, and they were already, right away they said it was an avocado, right? They didn't see it. They just, as soon as I said my daughter was cutting, he said an avocado. He knew that avocados happened to be a, a vegetable or a fruit, whatever you, however you touch them up, uh, but that, that is very easy to, to get cut with because it has a very interesting texture that, is easy to slip, and it, it happens. It's just an interesting idea that people happen to cut themselves often when they cut avocados. But um, they, in you know, they they patched her up. They they put you know all the right medications on her, and they 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 reassured us. If nothing else, that everything is fine. That itself was a tremendous nechama. That just knowing that she's okay, that there's no, she doesn't need to have stitches. She doesn't need to go to the hospital. But. I appreciated that, you know, when, when you have somebody that you can immediately call, you know, it's like, who do I know that knows something? No, you call Atzala. And 
they don't get paid a dime for it. They have to pay money almost to be part of Atsal in certain senses because, you know, to have, you have to equip your car and you have to... Uh, the, the, the sacrifice that they make is so great. And they are really Gavarabas. They are Malachim. They are people that that we that we would we would be tipshaim if we would stand up for a Sefer Torah, not for Hatzala guys. Hatzala guys are are tremendous. They're gedaylim. They're gedaylim, and they deserve our accolades, and they deserve our tributes, and they deserve our yeshakayach. And even if we don't, you know, always say it to them, but we have to think it. We have to feel it. We have to re train our eyes and our hearts that we should have Akar Satayv to people that are there for us and they don't really ask us of anything. This is not an appeal for Atzala. It would probably be a good idea, you know, if we had the money to send some to Atzala, but that's not what this is about. This is just an appeal to everybody, myself included, to just appreciate what they do on a daily basis. And Befrat, during these times, it's mamish a sakana to be outside. They go inside to people's houses, they expose themselves, they touch people that have this virus, and then they come home, you know, and they expose then probably their families in a, on a certain level to it, and their wives deserve tremendous sakara satayv, that, that they allow their husbands to go out in this climate or in any climate. Their children deserve sakara satayv, their parents... All, Whoever, these people are really amazing people. I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's very hard to overestimate uh, the contributions and overstate the, the contributions that every single member of Atsala gives to every single one of us. And this is uh, the parsha I think, to really appreciate them because it's the parsha that we see that Tisbru Chamishim Yayim and making it 49 days instead of 50 days doesn't really earn you, says the Ostrovser, the title of Gavarabba alone. That you could be a Gavarabba by being a Talmud Chacham, of course. But even a Talmud Chacham needs to have a little bit of a Hatzalah member inside of them. Doesn't mean to say that every person has to join Hatzalah, but it has to, we have to have the heart of Hatzalah members. We have to have the heart and the eyes to see people when people knock on our door for tzedakah or to do a chesed for them, or to give them a ride, or you see somebody, uh, you know, at a bus stop, and it's raining, and, you know, you can offer them a ride, and they look like they're a safe person to, to give a ride to. Give them a ride, do a chesed, help out, be a part of, uh, be a part of your community. Now you're not in yeshiva. When you're in yeshiva, there's plenty of opportunities in yeshiva to, to uh, you know, to do a lot of chesed and to do a lot of good stuff. But when you're home and you're in your own community, there are also things that are able to be done by each and every one of us at home. Charity starts at home. We could help a lot with our own siblings, with our parents, with our grandparents, and do a lot of different things for them. And then maybe there are neighbors that need to have groceries you know, picked up for them, and, and you can you're, you happen to be going to the grocery store, and you give them a call, and you ask them for... But different things that we actually think, not just about ourselves, but we're focusing more broadly on the needs of our neighbors, and our families, and our communities. And when we do that, and we try to help, and, and take away a little bit of, of tsar, and give a little bit of simcha, or a lot of simcha to people... That's really the beginning of our journey of Vayigdal Meshe, Vayetzel Echa, Vayar The journey to be a Gavarabba, it runs through the Beis Medish, but it also runs through the, the approach of 
Rabbi Weber and uh, and all the members of Atzala and all the people that are being meiser leiv and nefesh at all times to alleviate that 40th Makkah, which really enables one to earn that amazing title of being a Gavarava. Have a wonderful Shabbos and wonderful seeing all of you. Be well.